For over 100 years, Michelin has not only produced high-quality auto tires, but also the premier guide for fine dining. Achieving or losing even one star in Michelin's restaurant ratings can have a dramatic effect on the success of a restaurant. One famous French chef claimed Michelin is the only guide that counts. That's why the restaurant's world was shocked when Sebastian Braras, one of France's most celebrated chefs, declared that he wanted to be dropped from Michelin rankings. For over 20 years, Braras had been honored with three stars, the highest rating. A Michelin restaurant judge called his food spellbinding. But in September 20, yeah, I want to go too. Uh, but in September 2017, Barres said the pressure to perform was too much. Barres announced today at, at, at 46 years old, I want to give a new meaning to my life and redefine what is essential. He said his job had given him a lot of satisfaction, but there was, uh, there was also huge pressure that was inevitably linked to the three Michelin stars first given to the restaurant in 1999. He asked to be allowed to continue his work with free spirit and serenity away from the world of ranking without tension. It is crazy how certain pressures can take the joy out of something you love or something that is supposed to be enjoyable, like fatherhood or husbandhood or manhood. Although no one is handing out stars for those roles, there are added pressures to these roles. And it happens especially even in the church. We tell man they are to be the prophet, the priest, the king, and the provider. As my brother Chris said, who told you that? And I believe that the world has defined manhood or fatherhood in such a way that it has added unnecessary pressure to the world that God has not ordained. And many men are either dropping out or, or not signing up because they feel they don't add up or even measure up. I mean, it just doesn't sound enjoyable when you think about all the weight that we have, we, we have wrapped around this word, Father. When something is not obtainable, it is not enjoyable. To be clear, this sermon doesn't cover all the reasons for men not signing up to be husbands and fathers, but I do want to press into the unnecessary pressure. Also, this sermon is not a message to dissolve men of their spiritual responsibility both inside and outside of the home. But it is intended to bring some balance and put these roles under God and not over or beside God. And part of the reason I believe manhood, fatherhood, husbandhood is so discouraging, given the pressure to be God instead of just being a man dependent on God. I think we learned some valuable lessons from my boy chosen Moses on how important it is to just be a man dependent on God and not be God. In our text, we see discouragement in the life of one of the greatest men who ever walked on this planet, a man named Moses. But first, previously on Chosen Moses. 
As you know, Moses has been climbing this mountain of leading God's people. Now after leading them through the Red Sea and to Mount Sinai, he becomes discouraged because of the burden he had been called upon to bear. As a result, he came to the place where he just wanted to throw in the towel and quit. Have you ever been there yourself? Are you there right now? You got the towel in your hand. You feel the burden on your shoulder. You feel the loneliness of carrying such burden. And you sometimes toil in your sleep. Sometimes you sit on your recliner and you flirt with the thought of quitting. Uh, because what you have come to in life is too heavy for you to bear, Tim. I want to preach for a while on this thought. That's it. I'm out. That's it. I'm out. We land in, let's, let's really enter into Moses' mind this Father's Day. What led this godly man to the temptation of quitting? Well, we discover in season 21, he faces the mumbling and the grumbling of people. Season 21, uh, episode 1, Moses faces mumbles and grumbles. Watch it now. The people complained about their hardship at the hearing of the Lord. And when he heard them in his anger was aroused. The fire from the Lord burned among them and consumed some of the outskirts of the camp. When the people cried out to Moses, he prayed to the Lord and the fire died down. So that place was called that place because of fire from the Lord had burned among them. The children of Israel were nothing but complainers. They were never satisfied by anything. After a while, this would, this would have driven anyone crazy. I mean, even the most holiest of us. I mean, if you do life with anyone, there will always be some kind of complaint. Oh, I know it. Oh, don't I know it. And the people who quit their jobs the most are those who have to deal with people. I'm going to say that again. Hold on, let me make that right there, right? People who have to quit their job the most are those who have to deal with people the most and make the least. You got to pay me well to deal with folks. Listen to people who quit that their work. They, they, they quit. They quit most often are those who work in hospitality jobs. They can't bear week in and week out dealing with bad management and grumpy people. You're not going to make everyone happy. And Moses is learning that now, no matter how well he tries to do, people will find something to complain about. If it feels like I'm preaching from experience, you probably own to something. No matter how well he tries, people find something to complain about. And if God has not made these people happy, surely, surely, surely Moses can't. If God can't make folks happy, you bet your bottom dollar that you ain't got nothing within yourself that will make folks happy. 
Look at all that God has done. We've been through these seasons together. We are on season 21. He has delivered these people from Egypt, Hank. He's performed divine miracles, Demeter, among them. He made made them into a nation and put his name on them, Frank. And lastly, God is two weeks away from bringing them into the promised land. What a blessing. I ought to pause right there because oftentimes we get so focused on the small things that we forget the big things that God did for us. In fact, you may need a little help. I'll give you 10 of them. Here's one. God woke you up this morning. If that didn't make you shout, I'll give you another one. Number two, he woke you up this morning. Oh, that didn't help you. Number three, he woke you up this morning. Number four, he woke you up this morning. Number five, he woke you up this morning. Number six, he woke you up up this morning. Number seven, he woke you up this morning. Number eight, he woke you up this morning. Number nine, he woke you up this morning. I wish I had a church this morning that knew that if it had not been for the grace of God, you didn't have to get up, put on clothes, get in your car, and get on your way. He woke you up this morning. Here it is. He made them into a nation. Getting ready to go into the promised land. And after all of this, these people are still complaining. Be careful not to judge them because uh, we're just like them. Moses takes all of these complaints as a responsibility of his own. (coughs) Thank you. One COVID, by the way. You know, you got to be careful sneezing these days. You be contemplating, trying to hold it in. You don't know what people are going to think. Anyways, Moses takes all these complaints as a responsibility of his own. He allows people to put extra baggage on him. Extra baggage on him. Extra baggage God didn't call him to carry. Friends, you must be careful not to pick up extra baggage God hasn't called you to carry. Because people have no problem handing you their junk, especially the junk they plan to do nothing about. You begin to care about their healing more than they care about their healing. And you begin to care about their discipleship more than they care about their own discipleship. At some point, you got to say, if you ain't going to care about it as much as I'm going to care about it, I'm not going to carry it for you. People have no problem handing you their junk, which is often their unbelief. Let's go back to the chef in the opening of the sermon. He lost his joy in his role in craft by allowing the out, an outside organization to put extra on him. But he had to remember why he signed up for what he did. And he refused to allow people to have him carry weight. He didn't have to. Even if that meant that he wasn't going to shine as much as he wanted to shine. And we got to be careful because sometimes we'll take things on, not because we love people, but because we get some kind of satisfaction on people depending on us. What we're going to see is their complaints are causing Moses to misunderstand his role in his calling. That their complaints distract Moses. And we'll get to this, but... But, but I do want you to keep that in mind. But, but how does God respond? 
How does God respond to their mumbles and their grumbles? As we can see, God certainly was not having it. No, he was not. God hears their grumbles, and how does he respond? His anger is lit up. There's fire around the camp, and they cried out real fast. Uh, Moses, can you get your boy here? There's fire out here. Repeated theme in Israel is grumbling, and the Lord heard it. We should remember that when we are having our own pity parties. We're grumbling about our own situations. When, when, when we lack gratitude and thanksgiving before the Lord, we need to be reminded of this. God is not pleased with Israel. When you get to episode two, Moses faces a provision problem, and we get into why these folks are grumbling. The rabble with them began to crave other foods. And again, the Israelites started wailing and said, if only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. Uh, No cost, huh? Yeah, no cost. No, no cost? cost? It didn't cost you free labor. It didn't cost you nothing. You got to be careful when you start grumbling and complaining. Sometimes you ain't seeing things straight. They said, we remember the fish we had, fried hard extra mouth sauce. <laughs> All right, some of y'all with me. And Corey, they said, remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost? Also the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the, the, the onions, the garlic. Mmm, sounds so good. But now we have lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manna. My mom used to tell me when I worked at a bank that there are two things people don't play about. Their food and their money. You want to tick some folks off? Mess up their food. Mess up their money. And you'll wonder if they're sane or not. Church folks too. Don't put Chick-fil-A sauce in someone's bag. And they got to turn around and gas bid $6 a gallon <laughs> and see what you get. We get to put mild sauce on somebody's Harold's chicken and they get home and they sit at the table. This is my own experience now. <laughs> and you get home and ain't no sauce on your chicken. <laughs> With gas six now back then when it was $3 a gallon, you didn't mind doing it. But now, you may see a side that you didn't think. Watch these folks Moses is dealing with. These verses reminds us that Moses was leading two million people through the wilderness and that they had nothing to eat but manna. Of course, they did not like the manna. And they complained bitterly about it too. They tried everything they could to make the manna taste like the food of Egypt, but it never worked. And they gripe and they whine and they complain about it every single day. Remember when your kids didn't want to eat something? And all the faces they made? Imagine two million people making faces every day at you. Turned up. Every time dinner, breakfast, and lunch come around, they got an attitude on their face. They had a strong craving, the Bible says. They wanted something different than what they were getting. We're tired of Mickey D's. We want Pertillo's. Amen, somebody. What an upgrade. 
He said, I want a large catfish fried hard, Moses. And sometimes we face provisional problems. In our situation, it may be some unexpected tragedy that befalls us and take our funds. It may be medical bills or job cutbacks. It may be that there is just more month than there is money. Anybody know what it is to have more month than you got money on your, in your bank account? Either way, I want to remind you of something that we forget. That Moses forgot to it. I want you to lean in on this. God did not call Moses to feed the children of Israel. God did not call Moses to feed the children of Israel. He called Moses to lead the children of Israel. It is God's responsibility to feed his children. It's God's responsibility to feed your family. But I'm supposed to work, Pastor. I'm supposed to be a provider. Yes, you are supposed to work. Bible says a man don't work, a man don't eat. But don't ever forget that there is only one provider, and his name is Jehovah Jireh. And don't you mix your name up with Jehovah Jireh. Don't you put your face on Jehovah Jireh. You are not the source. God is the source, baby. If you're able to get up and work, and whatever you bring home, it ain't because of you. Ultimately, it's because of the grace of God. Because there is somebody on the other side of the planet that don't have what you have. But you don't have it because you're better than them. You have it because God has decided to be good to you. And since I'm there, that ought to make you free up some of the things that you got so that if you see your neighbor hungry and you got more than enough, you ought to have enough compassion in your heart to help somebody out. Don't you ever forget who's the provider. In fact, if you remember that, you won't use your money and job to control the house and the marriage. Oh, I better run that back. That may get me in trouble, but I'm going to run it back. I see an email brewing already. I'm going to run it back, though. If you remember who the provider is, if you remember that Jehovah Jireh is the provider, you won't use your money to control your house in your marriage. You'll be reminded that God ain't giving you what he gave you so that you can oppress even people in your household. Oh, let's go outside of the household. If we remember in the church that everything that we got came from God, we won't use money and power to manipulate and to oppress folks. I remind you that he is Jehovah Jireh, and he will not allow you to take his glory. I remind you that that when he does the leading, he also does the feeding. When he does the leading, he also does the feeding. Go over to Matthew, the sixth chapter, verse 25 and 33, and we're reminded that if he can clothe the lilies of the field, if he can feed the birds, of the air, surely he'll take care of his children. It might not be what you want all the time. It may not be Harold's and Portillo's. No, God doesn't always give you what you're craving. He doesn't always give you what you want. But at least from my reading of the scriptures, I don't remember them ever starving to death. 
I'm not reminded of them them not having the the, the necessities that they need. In fact, I'm reminded that that, that God made sure that their J's never went bad in the wilderness. I wish God would keep my J's. Yes, he will. That J ain't for Jesus. That's for Jordan's now. What does Moses do with all of this? What does he do, Maurice, with the complaining, the grumbling, the lack of? What does, what does, what does he do? I think we, I think we need to, to watch him, trace him, uh, see how he responds to, to these people. We all need to pay attention to this because, because it's, it's Father's Day. Particularly, I want to talk to you men. Watch what Moses does. Episode 3. Moses faces God with with his own grumbling. Moses heard the people of every family wailing at the entrance of their tents, and the Lord became exceedingly angry, and Moses was troubled. Because of the weight, the load he was bearing, Moses allowed himself to become utterly discouraged. The word Uh, A discouraged or displeased means to be broken to pieces, to be utterly destroyed. Can you feel the weight of Moses? Two million people and their problems bearing down on him, and he's broken to pieces. He is utterly destroyed. In other words, let me make it simple. Moses has a breakdown. And I don't know about you, but this encourages me in a sense, and, 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 and I don't mean this flippantly, that his discouragement is my encouragement because, because it's good to see some humanity in the text. It's good to see some humanity in the text. It's good to know that, 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 that heroic people like Moses had weaknesses. It's good to know that people in the Bible sometimes miss the shot. It's good to know that, that some, some folks in the Bible miss the aim, and I know sometimes we like to see ourselves as Jesus in the scripture, but often we're like Moses and the Israelites. And is there anybody in the room that sometimes you read your Bible because the Bible ain't afraid of showing humanity? And you say, now that's something I can relate to. <laughs> Moses had a breakdown, y'all. Moses who had an encounter with God at the burning bush. Moses, who, held, who parted the Red Sea when God told him to lift up his staff. Moses, who caught water to come out. This is Moses, y'all. So if you have a breakdown, it's all right. Get in line with old Moses here. If we are not careful, the problem we face in life can produce this attitude in our heart. It happens to Moses. It even happened to Elijah in 1 King 19. Y'all remember when he was sitting under that broom tree? And he was ready to die. This was after he called fire down from heaven. He said, God, I want to be done. Y'all remember Jonah, the fourth chapter. Jonah wanted God to take his life away from him. And don't you laugh at them. Because the right combination of things enter into your life and you think that you're strong and you think that you're tough, but the right situation and circumstances can bring any man down to his knees. I like the way that Rocky put it. Rocky said that, 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 that none of us are going to hit harder than life. 
And then one day life is going to hit you and it's going to bring you to your knees and it'll keep you there if you let it. What was the problem here? Moses had allowed the problem he faced to become larger than the God he served. Moses had allowed the problem that he faced to become bigger than the God he served because we would be reminded of all that God had did. If God can take care of Pharaoh, the most powerful army in the world, surely food is not a problem for him. But sometimes, if we can be honest, although we've experienced past grace, Sometimes we experience situations and problems and the right combination makes us forget how big he really is. And the situation arises and, and it looks bigger than God. God, I know you got me out of this one, but, but, but I don't know about this one. But why did they become larger than God? Why did they... This circumstance become bigger. That's, that, that's what I want to ask the text. That's the question that I want to ask. Why, Moses, did this circumstance become bigger than the God that we serve? Simple. Because he took on God's work. See, when we take on God's work, that work seems impossible. And of course it does. It's God's work. But what is impossible with man is possible with God. Anytime we allow that to happen in our lives, we are in danger of a major breakdown, baby. You are not big enough to handle what only God can handle. We need to come to a place where we remember that every problem we face has the potential to be greater than our ability to handle that problem. But God allows that to happen so that Moses will be reminded of his need for God. God refuses, watch it now, God refuses to allow Moses to become another Pharaoh. And what Pharaoh's problem, he thought that he was God. Pharaoh might have had resources to care for people, but that was because it was him oppressing two million people. And usually when something appears or someone appears to be doing God's job well, it's likely because they're doing some unethical stuff. Moses, I know you came a mighty long way from when I found you on that river. And you were dodging those crocodiles on the now. Moses, I know you came a mighty long way from when I found you on the back end of the desert. Moses, I know you came a mighty long way from when I, when, when, when I gave you the power to part the Red Sea. But Moses, I don't care how far you have come. I did not call you to the place that I call you to take my place because I am ir- I am not replaceable. You are my servant. So when you face things bigger than you, they are heavenly reminders to look to the hills which cometh your help. Come on here, David, and preach to God's people. If they won't listen to me, maybe, David, they'll listen to you. David, what happened when when the people of Israel, they had their back up against the wall, and Goliath was was hurling out threats to the people of Israel and talking about what he going to do and how he going to handle them and how ain't nobody man enough 
and big enough to, 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 to mess with me because I'm big and I'm strong. But David said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? who defies the, 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 the armies of heaven. Let me tell you, God delivered me from a bear once. He delivered me from a lion once. Y'all ain't with me yet. I'm preaching better than y'all talking to me. In other words, what David is saying is I face things bigger than me with a God that's bigger than me. And he took them down. And the same God, watch now, David, now what God did in the, in, in the quietness, God is now going to do in the open. The same God that defended me against a lion and a bear. You listen to me, oh, Goliath, with your sword and your army, I'm getting ready to take you down. How am I going to take you down? Y'all remember, he picked up five smooth stones. And what did he do? He put one stone in a slingshot. Now, you know good and well, one stone shouldn't take down a giant. By the way, he did it anyways, and he cut that thing back, and it sunk down into Goliath's head, and he fell on the ground, and what did David do? Then he stepped over his enemy. God will take your situation and put it under your feet. And he cut that giant's head off, and he said, now Israel, can you see that nothing is bigger than God? Come here, Esther. Because Esther faced something bigger then herself. Do y'all remember that, 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 that there was an edict that went out to, 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 to kill all of the Jewish people? And what did Esther say? She says that, that this is what I want y'all to do. We got to fast because we got a situation that's bigger than us. But we got to pray to the God that's bigger than the situation. And she fasted. And she said, I'm going to go before that king. And she said, if I die, I die. But I know that God is that, well, y'all mind if I preach this morning? Because now I'm reminded of the three Hebrew boys. Y'all remember them, the boys that they threw into the fire. And they said, we ain't bowing down to no other God than the God of heaven. And if we die, we die. But I just want you to know, even if we don't come out of this alive, we want you to know that God is able to deliver. Although he might not decide to deliver. And all of a sudden, God left heaven himself, hopped in the fire, and the scripture says that they were not burned. All those stories are not just recorded for them. All those stories were recorded for you and I. Moses, nothing is bigger than me, Moses. Nothing complicates me, perplexes me, Moses. Nothing is too difficult for me, Moses. Nothing frustrates my wisdom, Moses. Nothing in the world is too complicated for me, Moses. Notice how a misunderstanding of his role led to his own discontentment and desire. Moses is like, that's it. I'm out. Look at it. Look at the prayer Moses prayed. He asked the Lord, why have you brought me this trouble? Why have you brought this trouble on your servant? Watch this. What have I done to displease you? That you put the burden of all these people on me? Like, what I do? Okay, y'all gonna play holy. Y'all ain't never had that conversation with God? 
Y'all ain't never had that conversation with God. Like, hey, yo, bro, what I do? I ain't do nothing. What are you doing this to my marriage? My job. What did I do? You put this burden of all these people on me. Did I conceive all these people? Did I give them birth? Why do you tell me to carry them in my arms as a nurse carries an infant to the land you promised on oath to their ancestors? You can see he is taking on God's job. Moses began to talk to God about his problem. He talks to God in a way that reveals to us the condition of his heart. He grumbles about their grumbling. He's negative about their negativity. Moses seems to be asking God why. He seems to be saying to the Lord, these are your people. I ain't give birth to them. I mean, I mean, hey, you came knocking on my door. I was in the desert. I was chilling. I was on the run. Now. I ain't forget. I was on the run. Yeah, you got that much on me. Uh, 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 but I was chilling, you know, and then you called me to go as hard as Moses, and here I am. <laughs> they are your problem, not mine. Why then am I having to bear them in their burdens? He complains about their complaining. There is the problem. Moses thinks it's his job to bear them. Moses thinks that it is his job to bear the children of God. And I learned something very vital when I was building my house, or I should say, helping to build my house. (laughs) To be clear, to be clear, to be clear, Angie knows that I'm I'm not that good. And in the process of Helping to build my house, I learned there are two types of walls. You have load-bearing walls, and you have non-load-bearing walls. Big difference between the two. Load-bearing walls support the entire weight of the floor or roof structure above them. Non-load-bearing walls do not bear any weight. Load-bearing walls are essential for supporting floors and roofs. Non-load-bearing walls are used to separate rooms or offices. The biggest difference is one is necessary and the other, not so much. I remember calling the project manager about my house, and I said, hey, my wife and I, we want to change something in regards to the floor plan and layout of our house. He says, what's that? I said, we want to remove a wall in order to have a bigger living room. First thing he said was, that's fine, as long as it's not a low-bearing wall. Came to find out it wasn't. And do you know, they removed that wall, and the house is still standing? See, a house cannot stand without low-bearing walls. What I'm trying to say to you and I are non-low-bearing walls people, places, and things can stand without us, Moses. But I know of one who is a low-bearing wall. The old folks used to call him a burden-bearer, a heavy load sharer. Well, I'm here now. I'm here. I might as well continue. He's a doctor in the sick room. He's a lawyer 
in the courtroom. He's a bridge over troubled waters. Guess what I'm trying to say, Moses, to you fathers? God is essential, but you are replaceable. And when we remove God, what happens? Well, the same thing that happens when you remove a load-bearing wall. The removal of load-bearing walls without properly supporting the load they're carrying may occasionally result in a structural collapse and even injury. The reason why Moses is having a breakdown is because he forgot that he is not a load-bearing wall. And when we remove God, we put ourselves in his place, We are in danger of injury. Father, we get our roles mixed up with God's role. We are setting ourselves up for failure. You don't have to be Superman. You don't have to be Superman. You are not alone in figuring out how to pay bills. You can actually be weak sometimes because you are not not the low-bearing wall. You can ask for help because you are not the low-bearing wall. Oh, some men need this in here. And you are not a low-bearing wall. Then it's okay to say, I I need help. This doesn't mean you don't work hard. This doesn't mean you don't hustle. This don't mean you don't grind. It means you do those things with a different mindset. I tell my kids, I'm not the provider. God is. I'm not Superman. God is. And now this is where Moses has to come to grips with and help the people to see. I'm not your strength and portion. God is. Watch what he does. You're going to want to, to post this, tweet this, repeat this. Here's your lesson for the season. Episode 4, Moses faces his weaknesses and confesses it. Moses came to the place which we all need to come. He came to the place where he saw, felt, and confessed his weakness. Saw, felt, and then confessed it. He knew that he was insufficient to the task at hand. He describes himself as a father attempting to nurse a child. He had no ability to provide anything for those two million people. And this is good, church, because when we discover we have nothing, We discover the one who has it all. When we discover we have nothing, here it is, Tim, we discover the one who has it all. We find the one who crushes our Pharaoh and divides the Red Sea. We say, God, I can, but you can. When God says, I can and I will when you depend upon me, it's when our weaknesses turns our eyes to him we find power. This is Paul, brothers and sisters. This must have been how Paul felt as he felt the pain of that thorn in his flesh. Do you remember? Yet when he received God's great promise of grace, Paul was able to rejoice in his difficulty because he knew that his weakness merely opened the door for God's power to work in his life. Oh, it is difficult. Yes, it is. It's difficult to come to the place of total weakness, independency before the Lord. But until we do, We will never know him and his power in our problems. Friends, listen to me. The sooner we come to the place where we know for sure that we can't, that is the sooner we will arrive at the place where we know that he can. And I'm acutely aware of the fact 
that I do not possess the ability within myself to do, do the things God has called me to do. If the message are prepared and preached, if the souls are saved, if the sick are comforted, if the needs of Bethel Gary are met, then it will be the Lord that does it, not Dexter Harris. I serve God. I'm not God. God is ever able to do exceedingly, Demita, abundantly will, above all that we can actually think, Chris, according to the power that worketh in us. I'll finish my course, but not through my own strength. I will do it through his and his alone. And friends, if we don't let God be the load-bearing wall for our families, our communities, in the world, we will die under the weight. At best, we will say, that's it, I'm out. Trying to do God's job kills humans at best. They quit. This is the one job on Indeed you should keep strolling, strolling past. Look at Moses in the final analysis. He says, I cannot carry all these people by myself. The burden is too heavy for me. And this is how you're going to treat me. Please go ahead and kill me. Don't take me out. If I have found favor in your eyes, do not let me face my own ruin. In this verse, Moses is giving God an ultimatum. He says, either you get me out of this mess or you kill me. Moses also confesses the fact that he cannot bear the thought of facing total failure of his hopes, plans, and dreams. Moses had come to the place where he is ready to offer up his resignation. He is quitting. Friends, first off, never give God an ultimatum. Don't, 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 don't do that. But you know what Israel didn't need? It didn't need Moses to be God. Or they didn't need him to quit. What they needed from Moses was to be dependent on God. Fathers in the room, what your children need to see from you is your dependency, not your independency of God. And man, I suggest to you what what you need, what your children need, what the world need is not another Superman. We got that already. Not another prophet, not another priest, not another king or provider. We got that already. What they all need is men, and I dare I say women, too, who are dependent on God. The world needs men and women that pray. The world needs fathers who know how to look to the hills from which cometh their help. The world needs fathers who know how to run to the strong tower. The world needs fathers who know how to hold on to God's unchanging hand. Families need daddies who know that God is the load-bearing wall, who can say the reason life hasn't came crashing down on me is not because of my money or my experience, but because God, baby, has been holding and carrying my burdens. I haven't made it this far because daddy has been good. I haven't made it this far because of what daddy has in his bank account, because of his muscles, because of his intellect, because of his wisdom. Little children, sit down. Let me tell you why I made it this far. Because there was a Christ who took on our burdens, who bare our burdens, who 
bore our sin. Oh, y'all don't know who I'm talking about. He bore it until they put nails in his hands and they put nails in his feet and they put a crown of thorns on his head. Didn't he bear your burdens, church? And he died until death died. He died until Satan got his hands off of you. He died until every demon had to back up off of you. He died until that sin that gripped your soul had to fall off. He's a burden bearer, heavy load. And baby, if it had not been for the cross of Jesus Christ, daddy wouldn't be standing here. Daddy wouldn't be in his right mind. Daddy wouldn't be in this house. Mama wouldn't be in this house. Oh, the things that should have crushed me. The things that still plague me. But I know all things work together for the good of those who love him called according to his purpose. Oh, I know his grace and I know that his mercy is sufficient. How do you know, Father? How do you know that? I know because I found that in my weakness, his strength is made perfect. The things that I thought would crush me, the things that I thought would destroy me, I found out that when I gave it over to him, they made me stronger. They made me more resilient. They made me who I am today. I've learned to be okay with being weak because in his weakness, I was able to be what I was created to be, another wall in the house that is dispensable, but yet he has decided for this wall to be part of his house. 